Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Now listen, I need you to help me preach a little bit. Is that okay? Now, um, I I was in a church in New Jersey. Anybody been to Jersey? Give me a wave if you've been to Jersey. And uh, in this church, it was uh, 75%, actually it was 70% African-American, 25% Hispanic, and 5% boring white people. Clap, that was funny. <laughs> and, and, and in church that night, they were doing a, I got a feeling everything gonna be all right. Oh, ah. They sang it 624 times. And in the church, there was, I thought the pastor was the leader of the church, but there was this very large African-American sister three quarters of the way down the aisle. And every time I said something she liked, she'd go, mm-mm, that's right, come on, yes, sir, tell her, mm-mm, nah, yeah. Pop. And then she started, pop the clutch, preacher, pop the clutch. I don't even know what pop the clutch is. And then when I said something she didn't like, she'd say, help him, Lord. <laughs> but, but her husband was, he got banished to the second row because he was in trouble. And I, I, I spoke so good that night, I bought my own CDs and tapes, you know. And, and um, as I'm speaking, he jumps up, scares me half to death, brother, and he goes, well, come on, white boy, tell it like it is. So how many of you will allow me to tell it like it is? Can you give me a wave? And um, look, uh, I, I'm very grateful I'm very grateful for you, Jürgen. A little bit about what I do. I, I was minding my own business. I was doing a little bit of lay preaching. And if I'd have known that a Fauci virus was going to resurrect my ministry. <laughs> by the way, I don't know if you heard, but Fauci got COVID the other day. It looks like COVID met its makeup. <laughs> Look, if I don't offend you publicly, come and see me later. I'll do it personally. Because I, I, I just got sick. I, I'm a street guy. When you're born on the, when you're raised on the street, running around with gangs and stuff at 15 years of age, you kind of can tell the BS, belief systems. Save that one. And so I got up one Thursday night. I was about to do a, a meeting for my business clients. And our prime minister came back from, you know, getting his marching orders from the World Economic Forum. Leave that alone. And and God just said, get up and talk. Call this out. And I got in trouble by Christian pastors. 90% of the churches in Australia don't touch me. And I was fighting to keep them open. How many of you know... When, when, when you have, and again, this is not what I'm going to preach on tonight. This is just a warm-up. When you've got governments forcing you to do stuff to take against your bodily autonomy, and I said, what part of Revelation don't you preachers read? 
The problem is they don't believe it anymore. Now, thank God Jürgen does. And again, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that what they did was the mark, but it's a great practice session. Give me a wave if you understand that. And they got mad at me. They said, you know, you're Romans 13. I get so sick and tired of Romans 13. Because firstly, the guy that wrote that, he's in prison because he disobeyed the law. And the Bible says, submit. It didn't say obey. So if I get in trouble, I'll submit to what happens. We had to get to a point where we had to put security cameras in our, our, our house. And my wife's sitting here tonight. Give me a big, big clap for my wife, Christine. And, um, and uh, my daughter Sophia's sitting there, and Christine's son Mika's there. And they, they, flew in, they flew in this morning from Australia. So if my daughter falls asleep in one of my messages, no shopping in San Diego. But I got up and spoke, and all of a sudden, things started to open. And someone said, you shouldn't be calling out the prime minister. I said, well, Jesus called Herod a fox. See, people, when they don't read their Bible, say dumb things. Give me a wave if you get it. We have a culture today, and again, this is not to do with my message, that are more interested in people's feelings than people's eternity. And if you think, hear me out, hear me out, because I want to get to why Jürgen brought me back here. Jürgen said, the message I preach the other week, wherever you are in America, and I fly you back, you need to do it at one of the other campuses, and I'm here, I'm blessed for that. But now I lost my train of thought. It, it was a good one. You would have loved what I was about to say. It, it was brilliant, really. But what I, I find amazing is that all this trans stuff going on right now, if you didn't get my Father's Day message that I did at one of the other campuses, this whole attack on women goes back to Genesis to when the angels of the Lord came to learn, warn Lot and the, the, the evil man, the LGBTQ crowd said, give us those men so we can have sex with them. And Lot says, don't you? They have my daughters instead. What kind of a father does that? One that calls people, when you read it, he called those people my brethren. Is this okay? Get the message. I did a message on fatherhood, the endangered species. Men are supposed to protect their daughters and their wives. Two times, two times, two times that I know of in the Bible where, where they did not protect their daughters. Lot was one. Then his daughters said, let's get him drunk. And out of that, you've got the Moabites and the Ammonites. Out of which a demonization of Molech. Abortion is not new, by the way. That goes back thousands of years. And all this climate change nonsense, that's just as old pantheism and paganism. Is this okay? And it's time we start to read this book. A former prime minister claimed to be a Christian. I don't doubt that he was. But he was drinking too much Woca-Cola. And we're going to be people that believe the book. Now, 
for the last few years, I've been teaching on, actually, I've been teaching people how to prosper economically. God told me in 2001, take my message of biblical economics to the outside world, teach them how to prosper, and when they attack my church, you have a defense. You will cut off Goliath's head with Goliath's sword. How many of you want to increase financially? Give me a wave. Are you sure? All right. Now, I don't have resources to sell you tonight, but what I am going to do, and I've asked you, Pastor, if we could do that, I have a series called God, Money, and You. When we do our secular conferences, we sell it for $997. You can have it for free. Amen. Come on. Oh, dear God. You can download it. You've got to give us your email and everything else. How many of you, it doesn't get better than free. Give me a wave. You love free. Christians love free. Don't we? Now, there's a QR code there. If you scan that QR code, I promise I will not send that to Kamala. Won't send it to anyone. You could scan that QR code. It'll ask you for an email and, and, and maybe a phone number there. I don't know. Um, but just, just fill it out. And I'm going to teach you how to prosper according to Proverbs, why the tithe is holy unto the Lord. Oh, you're getting all quiet on me now. I teach you how to, pro, how to invest from the Bible's perspective. I want to speak to you tonight on a very important message. Matter of fact, out of all of the messages I do, this is probably the most controversial. And believe me, I got some doozies. See, God, His name is El Shaddai, the God of plenty, not El Chipo, the Lord our tightwad. God is more interested in blessing you. But uh, sadly, here's the thing. 2,375 times, God says He wants to bless you, increase you, multiply you, and add to you financially. And people still argue with that. They say, you're into that prosperity gospel. No, there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is a principle. Give me a wave if you understand that. You're one of those prosperity preachers. Well, it's better than being one of those ones that wants you poor, broke, and ugly. Give me a wave if you get it. I mean, I love my kids. There's nothing I won't do for my kids. Can I get an amen? And we've got this concept of God. Now, I want you to understand that God, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28. If you've got your Bibles there, Bible stands for basic instruction before leaving earth. Now, if you, if you shout and clap more, I, I promise I'll be really good. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says this, verse 11, and the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Watch this. The Lord will open to you good good treasures from heaven. Everybody say treasures. God wants to open up His treasure chest. 
We, we, back, those of you that are old enough to remember, we used to sing this song called, Fill my cup, Lord, fill it up, Lord. We're singing, fill my cup, and God's standing there with a fire hose. Hmm? Now, when it comes to your tithe, people are still arguing about the tithe. The tithe is not under law. The tithe goes back to Abraham and his covenant. Give me a wave if you understand that. Melchizedek is a priest according to the order of who? Tell me. Melchizedek. Are you with me? Abraham brought him out bread and wine. That's communion. When people start arguing me about tithing, tell me it's under the Lord. No, it's under the Abrahamic government uh, covenant. And Jesus said this you ought to do. And then Hebrews said you ought to pay tithes to men. You see, God always keeps something for himself. Amen. There's all these trees in the garden, and God says, you can eat out of any tree except one. Man wants it all. I believe there were 10 trees in the garden. God said, you, you, you want my tree? Give me back my garden. Whenever you take something that belongs to God, God will take something back that he promised you. Now, let me just see. There are some things that God needs more than you need. There's something you have that God needs more than you need it. I disagree. Feel free to be wrong, but let me tell you. There's a little boy one day and he's got loaves and fishes. Remember that? Jesus needs it for a miracle. Jesus. There are some things Jesus needs, God needs more than you need it. Give me a wave if you understand that. Moses, I need your stick to part the Red Sea. Peter, I need your boat to preach. Something you have which is a treasure. See, when, when Abraham gave Lot the lands and everything else, Nothing happened. But there was a point where God tested Abraham. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 says, And God tested Abraham, watch this, at the point of his treasure. There are some things that are priceless. Several years ago, I went to, to Wales to where the Welsh revival was, where Evan Roberts preached and 600,000 people got saved in six months. The city, the revival so hit that area that the city built a monument. It's there, not the church. The city built a monument, says, for God had visited his people. When you go, am I speaking too fast or is this okay? When you go to Wales and you go to all the bars and the pubs, there are all, see, the Welsh love rugby more than you guys love basketball, cricket. You don't play cricket here. What do you play? Uh, baseball. Yeah, yeah. NFL, whatever it is, you know. Yeah, Pokemon, whatever. Yeah, so. 
So when you go to Wales, you see 1901 and, and who won the premiership, who won the, the, the cup. It was, you know, uh, whatever the town was. And 1902, whatever the town was. When you go down in those, and look at those bars where there was a revival, you know what's written on the pub walls of every pub in Wales? Revival. They stopped the sport. They had to retrain the donkeys in the coal mines because the coal miners got saved and they stopped cussing. This is revival. Just having a conference. Come on. Just because, you know, I, I get so annoyed. These preachers, they, and again, I'm not against all of this, but, you know, they think a Gucci stubble, a $600 pair of jeans, uh, uh, shoes, and a skinny jean set gives them revival. Seriously, they don't have enough power to blow out a candle on a birthday cake. So I went to Wales, and there was the pulpit where Evan Roberts, the 18-year-old preacher, preached. And I said to the custodian of the church, how much is that pulpit? I want to buy it. He said, it's not for sale. I said, everything's for sale. He said, not that. I said, I want to buy it. He said, it's not for sale. He said, Billy Graham's been here. Jerry Savelle's been here. Jesse Duplantis has been here. I said, okay, now I'm here. <laughs> and he says, it's not for sale. It's precious. It's a treasure. There are some things that you have that God needs more than you need it. Give me a wave, you get it. For example, I have, to, I need my, where's my helper? Where is my helper? Come up here. Now, come up here. Now, I believe you were, you're a Kiwi. Sorry to hear that. Kia ora, bro. I have 10 muffins here. Now, if some little kid came and said to me, Pastor Pat, I'm so hungry. You've got 10 muffins. Can I have one, please? And I went, no. Get thee behind me. What would you think of me? Come on, what would you think of me? Probably not much. You got nine. Let's just say we're in business. This is our business. And you say, Pat, I'll let you have 90%. Just give me 10. You see, most people let the blessing of God, or sorry, let me rephrase. Most people let the protection of God over their finances, they abandon it. Watch this. For a dime. Wow. Is that what 10 cents is a dime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is God's dime in your pocket? Wow. And God needs this. Wow. You see, can, can, excuse me, brother. Well, just, just stay there. Just stand there looking handsome. And, yeah. See, God says, bring all the tithe that there be food in my house. For, feed the preacher. Oh, thank you. Food, feed the whatever it is you do. <laughs> feed, the, feed the lady that mic'd me up and stuck a hand up my shirt. There you go. <laughs> feed, feed, feed the Jose here who's, who does an amazing work. And, 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 and feed, what do you do in church? 
Oh, forget it. I'm not giving you anything. <laughs> feed, feed the poor man. <laughs> See, God says, God says, give me this. I need this yeah. for food in my house. Yeah. Give me a wave, you get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, this represents covenant. Yeah. Well, what do you do, brother? Jim, what do you do? You're responsible. We need food for the response team. We need food for the response team's wife. We need food for the, what do you do? Children's ministry, that'll do right now. We, 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 need, we need food for the, the bald ministry. We need food. We, we need food. You got all these response teams. Is someone about to die or something, get mouth to mouth? We, we need food for the... Are you a musician? No, sir. Men's ministry. What do you do? Men's ministry. Men's ministry. They, they need a lot of food. We get, get them. What do you do? We oversee the young adults. Young adults. Oh, my God. You get the whole thing, brother. <laughs> See, God needs this. How many of you are picking up what I'm putting down here? Now, what man does, man goes, oh, no. See, here's the reason why God needs what you have that's your treasure. And, and, and I'm not speaking about tithing, by the way. This is one of the things God needs. God needs it because God knows your needs and He wants to meet your needs when you meet the needs of others. Now, the Bible, thank you, I know, it's awesome. The Bible says that there'd be food in my house. Now, Malachi says this bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there be food in my house. And then it says this, will a man rob God? What are you going to steal from God? He owns everything anyway. The picture in the Hebrew. Now, by the way, this entire message, this is only five minutes of it, is in that God, Money, and You series. The word rob, there, it, there's three words for rob. To steal, causing, harmless, uh, causing destruction. And then one word is called to steal with intent to harm. This is God's goblet. When you don't tithe, you know how you hurt God? You block Him from doing what He wants to do in your life. That hurts God. How many of you are hearing what I'm saying here? Raise your hand. You restrain God. They restrain Jesus. Now, people say, they say, they go, not. I want to designate my tithe. You can't designate what God already designated. That's like telling me you want to designate sex. I mean, Biden's trying. You can't designate what God did. Give me a wave, you get it. Now, I'm trying to get through this fast because this is not the part of my message. Man says, no. I want, I'm not giving my tithe. God says, really? There you go. Don't pick them up. <laughs> I see, I, that's why I needed a guy. Listen. Listen. Listen to me very carefully. Well, listen. You remove the protection of God. But let me tell you what the Bible does say. Here's the good news. 
God says, prove me in this and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you, such as you that cannot contain, so that it will be overflowing, pressed down, shaken together, running out all over. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Now let me get to my, let me get to my message now. God is looking for your treasure. Can God trust you? Several years ago, I wrote a book called Wake Up and Dream. I do a lot of talk, used to do a lot of talk with the Amway Corporation. They bought 700, let me tell you a story about this book. I pledged to the Lord that my first, uh, that clock is lying. It's possessed. I said, Lord, the first order I get of this book, I'm going to give it all to the work of God. I believed that maybe I'd have about 50 of my relatives that would feel sorry for me and order the book. I preach at a church, a Word of Faith church in Perth, right across the other side of the country. Now, I made a pledge. God, the first order is yours. I preach on that Sunday night. The Monday morning, a phone call comes to my office. My secretary at that stage was Kylie DeMauro. She says, how can I help you? She says, look, we hear that Pat Mercedes has written a book called Wake Up and Dream. She says, yes. And they said, is it true that he's not published it yet? She said, no, we're waiting for the first order. She said, can I have a copy of the book to read? I said to Kylie, just fax her everything. How many of you remember faxes? Look at the fossils in the room. You know, some of you kids drive me nuts. The teenager said, oh, my Wi-Fi's not working. I can't, I can't download. We used to have to use cassettes. <laughs> Want to send a song to your girlfriend. You had to put the tape in, press the button, and then that demon-possessed tape would get stuck, and you'd have to rewind it with a pencil. <laughs> you kids have got nothing on us. Karen Evelsgaard reads this book. She says, you've not published it. She said, no, we're waiting for our first order. We made a commitment to the Lord. She said, well, here's your first order. I need 27,000 copies. She said, but if you wait till tonight when England, UK, and all the other European countries open up, we may order another 100,000. I said, Kylie, process that order now. <laughs> Chick came in for $183,000. At that time, I wanted to buy a block of land at 8 Hyde Avenue, Glenhaven, build my dream home. When the check came in, my wife looked at this check. The land was 183,000. God will test you at your treasure. We signed the back of that check. I watched it go in the mail. And I broke out in spontaneous song. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. Do, 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 do. I ended up building that house. The whole thing cost me 400 grand. I sold it for 1.8 million. Watch this. That book then went on to sell 500,000 copies. What treasure do you have that God's asking you for? I know right now you're in the middle of doing some construction and building. 
Well, I tithe. That's okay. Let me tell you. I, I, I've seen God do miracles, and I'm, I'll close with one of them tonight. I was preaching in Toledo, Ohio, on a flat-top truck, and all these, you know, gang guys are shooting hoops and whatever, and I'm the white preacher from Australia preaching to a bunch of gangbangers out there, you know, you know that, that rap music, you know, come on, oh, shoot your mama, that stuff, you know. I'm out there, and, 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 and when I got up to preach, all the African-American mamas, they're walking out there, and I'm telling you, those boys took their caps off. Those African-American mamas, you, you listen to them, preacher man. At the end of my meeting, I'm standing there, I dress like I always do. People say, why do you wear a coat in church? Because when I was 18 years of age, and I'm not saying you need to do this, this is my covenant, uh, my grandma, who was, got saved when it was illegal to be a Pentecostal Christian in Italy, and I went to church one day. I was about to go to Bible college, and I didn't have my coat on. She slapped me right across the face. She said, you're supposed to be a man of God. I said, Grandma, it's 100 degrees heat. She said, tell that to Jesus who died on the cross. Put a coat on, son. If you're going to preach, look like a man of God. I'm not arguing with my grandma. You never argue with an Italian grandma or ma because she's got a better mustache than you got. I'm telling you, you don't want to do it. So. How many of you forgive me for that? Give me a wave. So, what was I talking about then? I lost my train of thought. So, I've, what are you doing? Don't start now. I'm not even up to my third point. I'll call you when I need you, I promise you. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Listen, let, let me get through this real quick. Let me share this with you. Number one, God needs that. Number two, one day Jesus is sitting at, uh, opposite the treasury in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. And it says that Jesus is looking how the people gave. Not what. God, Jesus was fully God, fully man. Only he can operate in the divine that can see how you give. And I've heard people misuse this. Well, the lady gave her one, her, 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 her one penny. Yeah, but you're not getting what, what Jesus was saying. The rich out of their abundance put in a truckload. But she, out of her need, what was precious, what was a treasure. Give me a wave, you get it. The treasure, what is precious. I have seen God. I've seen people tithe and they get this and that. But when I've seen people do something, that is, they give out of their treasure. They give something that actually scares them. The second one is the, is the alabaster flask. In Mark chapter 14, verse 3 to 9, this woman comes and she pours an alabaster flask of very costly perfume. This was not a bottle of Chanel. This was not just perfume. Listen to me. This was her dowry. You go, if you look at this lady, she was a woman that was not very well, you know what I mean? 
And, and, and here's what happens. She brings, see this alabaster flask representing her future. It represented a future for her children. It represented her ticket out of the hell hole and the life she was living. Give me a wave if you're with me. And she brings it to Jesus. And you will always find people around you that will criticize you. You see, when God calls you to do something spectacular, when God calls you to do something sacrificial, it is not a conference call for you to discuss it with other people. Give me an amen. I'm gonna show you twice, people don't get it. Here they said, what a waste. And Jesus says, why are you criticizing her? What she's doing will be a memorial from now and generations to come. What you can do can be a memorial. Third one, Abraham. I don't want to get in, I don't have time to go through it all because that clock is going faster than I'm speaking. But we hear a lot of this Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah, who remembers the song? Jehovah Jireh, my provider. His name is sufficient for me, for me. Who remembers that song? Raise your hand. Look at all the fossils in the room. <laughs> Jehovah Jireh is not a name of God. Now, Jehovah Rafiku is the name of God. But in other times in the Bible, God would call different things places. Now, God has promised Abraham after he tithed. Are you still with me? Give me a wave. You're going to have a son. And in this son, this will be a great nation that will be so great that that will be like the sand of the sea. In him, all the promises of a man and the nations of the earth will be blessed. And then God says, kill him. And God tested Abraham at the point of his treasure. And the Bible says, watch this, I've got to hustle. Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of the young men with him, and his son Isaac, the burnt offering, and they arose and went to the place. I want you to go home and read this. And we went to the place. And then it says, and when they came to the place. Can you say the place? Then... What Abraham says is as he's about to go up, he says this to his two servants, you guys stay here. Why would he do that? Well, the same reason why God shut the door of the ark. Because God will not want people's emotion to overrule a biblical command he gave you. God shut the door of the ark, not Noah. And Abraham says, stay here. Because if he's going to go up and sacrifice his kid, what are they going to do? Abraham, what are you doing? That's okay. He can get therapy from Dr. Phil later. <laughs> and, and Isaac says, father, there's the wood. There's the, 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 there's the altar. How many of you are still following me? Give me a wave. That place, that place. He says, take him to the land of Moriah. Let me explain Moriah. Moriah is a long ridge. Listen carefully. Are you with me? Give me a wave, please. It is where the temple of Jerusalem will be built. 
It is where Jesus Christ would be crucified on, the, uh, on Calvary. It is the place where they will build a temple. And it is the same place where Jesus said he would come again and split the eastern sky. And God says, take him to the place of the future. And sacrifice the thing that's going to bring about the future. This doesn't make sense. When it comes to the tithe, God says, test me. When it comes to your treasure, God says, now I'm going to test you. And as Abraham lifts up the knife, God says, Abraham, stop. I know now that you've not withheld your own son from me. You've not withheld your future from me. Alabaster box lady, you didn't hold back what was your ticket out of the hell you were in. And the Bible says, are you ready for this? If I don't get a clap and a shout on this one, I'm going to go home. (laughs) Mariah is the future. Isaac is the sacrifice. How many of you want to experience Jehovah Jireh in your world, your finances in every area? Give me a wave. Jehovah Jireh is not a name of God. It is a place where your sacrifice and the future meet. And when you, listen, when you make a pledge or whatever it is that you're doing, your wife says, oh, yeah, I think we should give 20,000. You say, oh, I think we ought to give uh, 10. Maybe God wants you to give 30. Don't laugh. Take him to the future. Last one. Last one, I promise you. Help me, preacher. How many of you just picked that up? Give me a wave. Jehovah Jireh is a place where sacrifice and the future meet. Where vision and the future meet. Generations will talk about what you're going to do. Last one. I don't have time to turn to it. 1 Kings 17, verse 10 to 16. There is nothing more precious than a last meal. Even a prisoner that's on a murder charge gets a last meal. And the Bible says that the prophet is told to go down. God says, there's a little woman there and she's going to provide for you. So, and Pastor mentioned it. He goes down there and she says, look, I got nothing but a jar of oil and I got a couple of sticks and a bit of flour. We're going to eat this and then we're going to die. And the prophet says, make me a cake first. My Lord, if this happened today, it'd be on 60 Minutes CNN. Local preacher takes away a woman's last meal. (laughs) This place was a place of desert. She gives the last meal. It's a treasure. This is a prophetic time for this house and all of your campuses. Do something that will scare you into faith. You see, she gave of that last meal and the last one, I know I said that was the last one, but this is. 
Are you ready? Now I can have my brother, the musician, come up. Thank you, brother. I, I, I know how, I, 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 and what, what a beautiful man of God. In the Old Testament, when God got mad, are you listening to me? When God got mad, he'd open up the earth. He'd swallow people in the earth. Fire had come out of heaven. I mean, God would get ticked and it was on. But ever since the day he gave his precious son, he never did it again. Except in the case where two people called Ananias and Sapphira tried to rip God off by lying about money. Did you hear what I just said? God, you never read of God opening the earth. You know, all these people, God sending judgment. That's, that was done on the cross. Since He gave His precious Son, God never did that again. Except for once. And they lied about a pledge. You have something God needs more than you need it so He can meet your needs. Several years ago, two illustrations I've done. Several years ago, my then wife and I wanted to have a child. And I could not have a child. I had to go through a procedure and they said, you've got a 30% chance of having a child. And we even doubt that's gonna work. We had a, my mum had just died a little bit before that and she left me an inheritance. It was about $100,000. And they had a building fund thing and I went up with them wife and we said to the pastor, we, we believe in God to have a baby. And he said, oh, I'm really good at getting women pregnant in church. <laughs> hey, I'm not arguing with a man of God, whatever, you know. So we, we prayed and, and I was struggling at that time. I, I was still in restoration and all kinds of stuff and my business wasn't that great either. We gave $100,000. It was all I had, but it was all God was asking me for. Within 30 days, she got pregnant. Sophia, stand up. And there's my daughter. John Harper was born to a pair of solid Christian parents on May 29, 1872. It was on the last Sunday of March, 1886, when he was 13 years of age, that he received the Lord Jesus Christ into his life. He never knew what it was as a young man to sow his wild oats. He began to preach four years later at the age of 17 by going down to the little villages and pouring his soul out earnestly for men to be reconciled to God. As his life unfolded, one thing was apparent. He was consumed by the Word of God. After five or six years of toiling on the street corners, preaching, 
He was given a church. The Reverend E.A. Carter handed him the church Baptist Pioneer Mission in London. This set John Harper free to devote the whole time and energy to work where his heart was, to preach the gospel. During this time, he had gotten married, but was shortly thereafter widowed. However, before their brief marriage, God did bless John Harper with a beautiful little girl called Nana. Ironically, John Harper almost drowned several times in his life. When he was two and a half years of age, he almost drowned when he fell into a well, but was resuscitated by his mother. At the age of 26, he was swept out to sea by a reverse reverse current and barely survived. At 32, he faced death on a leaking ship in the Mediterranean. Perhaps God used these experiences to prepare His servant for what He was to face. It was the night of April 14, 1912. The RMS Titanic sailed swiftly onto the bitterly cold ocean waters, heading unknowingly into the pages of history. On board that luxurious ocean liner were many rich and famous. At the time of the ship's launch, it was the world's largest man-made movable object. At 11.40 p.m. on that fateful night, an iceberg scraped the ship's starboard side, showering the decks with ice and ripping open the six watertight compartments. The sea poured in. On board that ship that night was John Harper and his little six-year-old daughter, Nana. According to documented reports, as soon as it was apparent that the ship was going to sink, John Harper immediately took his daughter to a lifeboat. It is reasonable to assume that this widowed preacher could have easily gotten on the boat to safety. However, the thought never crossed his mind. He bent down, kissed his precious little girl. Looking into her eyes, he said with tears, I will see you soon someday. The fleas going off in the dark night could, you could see his tears. As the rear of the huge ship began to lurch upwards, it was reported that John Harper was seen making his way up the deck, yelling, women, children, unsafe people, get into the lifeboats. It was only minutes later that the Titanic began to rumble deep within. Most people thought it was an explosion. The gargantuan ship was literally breaking in half. At that point, many people jumped off the decks and into the icy dark waters. John Harper was one of these people. That night, 1,528 people went into the frigid waters. John Harper was seen swimming frantically to people in the water, leading them to Jesus before the hypothermia hypothermia became fatal. Harper swam up to one young man who climbed up on a piece of debris. And Reverend Harper asked him between breaths, are you saved? The young man replied and said, no, I am not. He said, will you give your life to Christ? He said, sir, I will not. And John Harper took off his life jacket and said, then son, you need this more than I do. His last words before going under the frigid waters were, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The young man gave his life to Christ because someone gave something that someone needed more than he did. Jesus Christ gave his life for you. Every head bow, every eye closed right now all over this pool. If you have never given your life to Jesus or you once walked with Jesus and you've gone away, 
or you are unsure of your spiritual condition. Friend, there is a hell to avoid and a heaven to gain. If you say, Pat, pray for me. I'm unsure of my spiritual condition. I'm unsure where I'm at. If I were to die tonight, I'm not sure where I would go. Tonight, you can know. All I want you to do right now, and I'm gonna give you 60 seconds. If you say, Pat, include me in your prayer. I wanna know what it is to be saved. I wanna know what it is to have my peace with God. Pat, I want heaven, not hell. I want life, not death. Right now, all over this building, if you say, Pat, include me in this prayer. I want you to raise your hand up high enough and long enough for me to see. All over the building, raise it up. God bless you, 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 God bless you. Raise it up high. God bless you way down the back there. God bless you in the blue, in the white, in the black. Gentleman with the cap there, gentleman with the cap there, gentleman with the red shirt. Thank you, God bless you. Just raise your hand. You've got 30 seconds left. Raise it up. God bless you, God bless you, man. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. I'm going to count to three, and every one of you that didn't raise your hand, but you know you should have, this is your opportunity. And those of you that raised your hand, I want you to raise it again. We don't want to miss you. One, God is calling you. He's knocking on the door of your heart. This is your moment. Two, eternity is the wrong thing to be wrong about. On the count of three, every one of you that raised your hand and every one of you that didn't, but you know you should have, I want you to raise it up high enough and long enough for me to see. Would you raise it right now? God bless you. God bless you. Hands all over the building. I want everyone to pray this prayer after me, particularly those that have raised your hand. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight and I confess my need of you. I ask you, Lord, forgive me of my sins and have mercy on me. Save my soul. In Jesus' name. I know I've gone five minutes over time, but I want to do one more thing, Pastor. How many of you felt challenged in that message that God is asking you to do something that literally is a treasure? And God wants you to do something towards this time of sacrificial giving to stretch yourself where are you where are those of you that you feel challenged by God right now to do something greater than you've ever done before I want you to stand to your feet if that's you if you felt challenged that God is testing you if you want to experience Jehovah Jireh I'm not asking you what to put in. I'm not asking you what to give. I'm just asking you for those of you that felt God spoke to me that God wants to do something miraculous in my life financially, but I need to do something I've never done before. Listen, and people are not going to get it. They're not going to get it. You got to get it. I want you to raise your hands up in the air, those of you that felt that. How many of you are those of you that need a financial breakthrough? I'm going to ask you to stand up as well. You need a financial breakthrough in your business, your life. This is the key to it. Father God, you see these hands raised. Father, I ask you prove yourself as Jehovah Jireh as they prove themselves that they can be faithful with the treasures you've given them. I ask you, Lord, bring increase as they give sacrificially during this time. 
Father, I ask you, speak. Speak to them. Let them put into action and hand what is precious to you. I want you to look at me, folks. You know how I know God wants me to do something? Because I don't want to do it. When God said, give that $100,000, when God said at one stage in my life, I had $2,500 in my account and that was it. And God said, drop that check into the bucket. God sent a man of God called Marty Tinglehoff from Atlanta, Georgia to support me $2,500 a month American, which was twice the value of the Australian dollar for 12 months. But I had to let go of what's in my hand. When you do something, now I know many of you may have made a commitment. Maybe you need to go rethink the commitment and let, I don't know how it works here, tell them, no, I feel challenged. I'm going to do that. I remember times when I literally sold my home. I'm telling you today, I'm doing what God told me that for the work of the Lord. I'm not telling you to do that. Just hear me. Not every revelation is the same. I sold cars. I'd get, I got given a diamond bezeled presidential Rolex watch, diamond face by Tommy Harper. And I gave that, I, I, I sold that. Supported my family and supported the work of the Lord. I don't believe it's any accident. See, I should not be here tonight. But I know I'm here, not for everybody. I know God brought me here for somebody and for something miraculous to take place. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? Thank you, Pastor. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.